What's up everybody? This is the Betrayed, the Addicted, and the Expert. My name is Brandon and I am the Expert. And I'm Ashlyn and I was the Betrayed. And I'm Kobe, the Recovering Addict. What you're gonna get is three unique perspectives on recovery and tools for hope and healing. Okay guys, we're talking about not labeling yourself, um, which is kind of ironic considering the name of our podcast. <laughs> the betrayed, the addicted, yeah, the expert. We totally was labeled on, ourselves. Yeah, yeah. It was more a marketing decision than <laughs> it was If you recognize but. in the intro, I do say I was the betrayed. And, and I also say that. I was you're the always the expert though, Brandon. Yeah, well, I guess so. I'm labeled as the expert. <laughs> but even, even the word the addicted is different than the addict, right? Yeah. And when you say I was betrayed, that's different than I am the betrayed. Right. Right. Um, so let's talk. Let, let's talk about what the problem with labeling is, and how it causes problems. Um, so, you know, if if Kobe, if we label you as as the addict, you're an addict. That's what you are. What's what's wrong with doing that? Well, um, I. I think just in principle, it's like I'm going to be An addict. whoever I'm told I am. Okay. And if I'm, for instance, if I'm a young kid and I'm told just incessantly that I can't focus, I'm not a good student, then I'll probably find ways to be that. But isn't it, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for just okay. a minute. Isn't it true? I mean, aren't you, not a good student? aren't you an addict? <laughs> <laughs> aren't you an addict? Um, no. Okay, and, and, and so I'll play devil's advocate back. No. <laughs> uh, but, but in truth, though, it's like I, I am who I have the potential to be. Okay. And, and that's why having, in, in my opinion, from my perspective, that's why having a label like that doesn't serve me. Because if I can, if I can each day act according to the, who I have the potential to be. Okay. Then, then that's going to be a place that will spawn all the fruit of that statement. But if I act from the place of, hi, my name is Kobe, I'm a sex addict, then it also has the potential. I also have the potential of self-fulfilling prophecy, essentially. Okay. So I, I'm a sex addict versus I have a sex addiction. Mm-hmm. There's difference. There's a distinction between mm-hmm. that statement, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's important for you to be able to own the fact that you have a sex addiction. Completely. Right? Um, but does that define who you are totally. is that your identity no, totally it, it would be the same like right now honestly I've had like I'm on two antibiotics and I'm on a steroid because I have a sinus infection but I'm pretty sure all this week I haven't walked around the house saying I'm a sinus infection <laughs> <laughs> or if you're, I have diarrhea I have diarrhea I am not oh. diarrhea right <laughs> lovely I had yeah. to sorry that was blowing you through but, but in truth though does, does that make sense to say I, I have a sinus infection right I'm not a sinus infection, but for some reason, for some reason, it's the thing to do to just let that be my label. And I really think that's a shame thing in truth. Um, But but to say, just to your point, I have this issue. I have this addiction versus I am very different. And I think, I think um, that's why we're doing this podcast today. Yeah. But so the other, the other side of it, you know, you can go to certain meetings, you can learn certain things and and it, the, the, the argument is this is why can't you just say I'm an addict what, where's the shame around that 
Um, is it a lack of acceptance? Is it offensiveness to what actually is? To actually just own that, hey, I'm an addict. I, why can't you just, you know, what's the problem with that? And what I see is, the problem with that is, is that it isn't your identity. Um, you aren't an addict. That You have an addiction. There, you have a disease, right? Mm-hmm. Just like what you were just saying. Um, and, and when that label gets thrown around, I see it, um, it bleeds into other things in life. Like other people start labeling you as the addict. Mm-hmm. That means everything you do uh, means that it's a reflection of your addiction. And, it, you know. All of a sudden, I, this cause and effect thing takes place. And it's just like, it, it can be a snowball for me. Yeah. It was a snowball. Like everything that went sideways, it's because I'm an addict. Every Everything that I did wrong was because I'm an addict. Right. And then, it just and I don't it. know if Ashlyn's done this or not, Ashlyn. We can, but, but wives oftentimes will be like, oh, the addict came out. There's the addict. The addict's doing this. The addict's doing that. And you might be acting like a bozo. You might be doing stupid things. Um, but to automatically just say, well, there's his addict. And, and, and I think what she's doing is she's trying to, trying to make sense of the craziness and the unhealthiness but to automatically just label this blanket statement of you're the addict and that's why you have all these problems it undermines um, you as an individual and and makes it so that you yourself don't see um, you as an individual mm-hmm. and that others don't see you as that you're actually Kobe you're, totally. you're Kobe with with spirit with talents with with past experiences with trauma and you're and and you happen to have a sex addiction as well. So right? Brandon, when he is in those places, I I don't necessarily say that this is the addict, but I have said this is addict behavior. Very different. Okay. Very different. And I think that's actually really healthy. That's really healthy to understand. Look, like maybe like like, like saying that behavior is unwanted. Yeah. Like give me an example. Like acting out poorly with his emotions or. Um, Acting in denial. Yeah. Um, for example, would be stuff with um, being secretive or saying like. Oh yeah. Even secretive with what he was doing at night. Like if it was, I'm going to go and eat treats or something. Right. It was addict behavior mm-hmm. because it was secret. Instead right. of just like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm eating. Kind of. Th- I don't yeah, know. Right. So, so it's like this, like c- coming back to the disease concept of addiction, right? If we look at addiction as a mental health disorder and a disease, um, it's, it's actually really healthy for a spouse to know, like, hey, these are some of the symptoms of a guy with a sex addiction. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like if I had diabetes and my, you know, I started acting really weird and I couldn't talk to my wife. It, it's, it's actually good for my wife to be able to say, whoa, that's his diabetes. This, you know, I need to get him some sugar or something needs to happen. Totally. Because she recognizes that I have that issue, right? But like you said, Kobe, she's not labeling me as diabetes. You know, I'm so much more than just that, right? That's really interesting that we can do that from a medical standpoint and say, I have this illness, this disease, this sickness. But it's the same though. If you label yourself, I have, I am this disease I just got diagnosed with, but it, Guess can, what? it can take over your whole identity. <laughs> it, it, it's yeah. right? everything. Right. All of a sudden, you have all the symptoms, not just a few. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, step one of the 12 steps is important, which is accept your powerlessness over your addiction and basically admit that you're, you're an addict, right? 
Um, but I would say admit that you have an addiction mm -hmm. and own that 100%. But don't let it creep into shame and turn into your identity. And see, that's right? the, I think you bring up a really great point on this. And that's why I'm such a... Um, a big believer in self-fulfilling prophecy, and I attended twelve step for like nine, like multiple times, three different times in life, and the longest was nine months. And that was the, in principle, that was the one thing that I totally and wholly disagreed with was, "Hi, my name is Kobe. I'm a sex addict," and I had all these other faces looking at me in support and love and and so forth. But but I know for sure that, that self-fulfilling prophecy is a legit thing, no matter what it is. If, I'm a, if I say to myself, "I'm a good dad," I'm going to be a good dad. If I say I'm an addict, I'm going to act accordingly. But I know from my own perspective, it's like when I was in addiction and acting out, I I was so unhealthy in my thought process and I was so in the fog of addiction and the fog of shame that follows it that I couldn't see reality um, from from shame, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. And so my thought process is all is all jumbled up. And so that's why it was so easy for me to just for that for that self fulfilling prophecy to to snowball. Right. into this really scary place where I began to be what I, th I thought it was. And that's why, in principle, um, and in fact, I'll share this later on, but I had a really important experience in um, before I even started recovery. It had everything to do with self-fulfilling prophecy, but I think we are what we say we are. Right, right. You know, the I think, ha you know, getting into these labels with addiction, I can totally see why it happens. Because an addict, here I am kind of labeling, but generalizing, but most, uh, a symptom of addiction, I'll say, mm -hmm. is denial. And so oh, yeah. for a long time, an addict will say, I'm not, I don't have the addiction. It's not there. I, you know, and so, so they swing to the other side of the pendulum of, uh, you know, I am the addiction. And you don't need to do that. You can, you can say, look, I have the addiction, um, but my identity and me as a person is still intact, right? For sure. So, and, and I think that's just important. Oh, knowing that I'm my, my identity, understanding my identity, and that's also where the the fog of addiction and the fog of shame. I mean, this is kind of like a new statement that I've kind of just like brought up. I talk about a lot, like on calls and in groups and stuff. But again, that's where that's where my thinking is is distorted, and so I don't, I can't think in reality. But I think with with the fog of addiction, the fog of shame, and that's the part that that is super important is that I understand and own my own identity. And it took a long time in recovery until I could really own who I was. Yes. And I, can, I could not only own who I was and own my potential, but that also changed how I viewed myself in God's eyes. If recovery is about connection to self and, and, to, God. and to God and to others, then you're, you're throwing shame in there. You're throwing labels in the middle of that. Then, then it's really hard to connect to yourself because yeah. you're connecting to this thing that you think you should be because you've automatically labeled yourself. Mm -hmm. You don't even know who you are. You're connecting and, to Spike. Yeah, Spike <laughs> is there for you, right? We don't want that. And, and, and you know, all those, all those crazy questions, Ashlyn, that you would ask, like, not, not crazy questions, but you would ask questions like, how can you be thinking this? How could you do this um, in any number of, of ways? And really, they're questions that, that didn't have a logical answer because it was yeah. just like, there's no logical answer for why I'm acting this way. Except for right. the behaviors. Totally. That and I assure you, all the questions that you asked were questions that I asked. And when I'm in addict mode and I think I'm an addict, I'll ask my, those questions myself. How could I do this to Ashlyn? I've got no logical reason why. Right. And, that, and those, asking those questions just reaffirms the same thing. I'm an addict. Right. And if I can stop and say, 
this is who this is who I really am based upon my potential, who I have the potential to be, then although I don't have an answer to why I was doing this, I can say this was addict behavior. Right. But it's not who I am. It's not who I really, really am. Right. Okay, here's a question for you. Um, and then I want to get to the betrayed because believe me, the betrayed gets labeled as much as the addict does, right? The, the person who has been betrayed. For sure. Um, and the addicted has... The addicted, the, 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 those with the addicted behavior, the, the addicted, right? But <laughs> Notice the, our work. I know. Notice how hard <laughs> it is. Not, 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 right? not easy, right? Yeah. But for, for those who have the addiction, it's, uh, I'm just going to lob this out here now, is, is that we contribute to your role as the betrayed, the, the crazy one, whatever. Our, our, our use of manipulation to... I don't know, just to torpedo you because of an addiction adds yep. to that a huge way. I just want to, I mean, that's, we'll, we'll address that, but that's if, no if small we, thing. Okay, we'll get there in just a second. Yeah. But if we were to just kind of describe or spell out the, what, what the label of an addict is, mm-hmm. what is that? Like when somebody gets called an addict, mm-hmm. then what do, you, what do we think of? Well, we all have these different views of what things are so I don't know the expectations are probably different for everyone but it in my like it usually goes to worst case scenario mm-hmm. oh they must be this this and doing they're out this. Of, they're out of control yeah right life they, is spitting out of control yeah they, they can't Function. regulate themselves they can't what well, you know before I got into doing all this I think of an addict I think of a junkie on the street with a needle in their arm yeah right mm-hmm. that's an addict or um, the dude who is living in his mom's basement who is always in front of his computer, doesn't have a job, sits in his underwear all day. And, uh, yeah, like that's an addict, right? Which is crazy now that I've done this for so long. <laughs> I've, I've met with so many people, you know, CEOs and, and high, just like functioning, Very functioning. <laughs> amazing, talented people who happen to have an addiction. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and they're individuals. And, and they're also people who do a lot of good. Absolutely. In many, many ways. Absolutely. And so there's so much more than just an addict, right? Yeah. Um, so if, if let's, let's shift to the betrayed here or the person who has been betrayed. <laughs> the person who has been betrayed, totally. Right. If you think of, you know, and, and Ashton, I want to hear, hear what it's like to be labeled as the betrayed. But if you think of the betrayed, you know, at, at least in this, this small community of sex addiction, Betrayal trauma, or, or let's throw this this label out there, the codependent or the co-addict, right? Um, what 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 do you think of? Well, for me, I didn't want to be labeled those things because I myself labeled other like when I found out when other women had been cheated on. Uh, you never hear like before you knew I was before I had gone into recovery thing. and understood. When I'd hear somebody got cheated on, it was like, oh, so you label that person uh-huh. like. She must have done this, this, and this to force him to have an affair, or vice versa, right? right? Yes. And I was like, "Crap, I'm that girl." There, you, right? Shoot, now the label's on me. Yeah. Right. But dang it, I'm not all those things that I thought about no. a person who's been cheated on. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, the the circles that I work in, um, at least the the men who aren't in recovery. Um, they'll label their their wives as the co-addict, codependent, the the betrayed, and they'll think of just highly anxious, controlling, um, controlling 
um, mothering, spinning out of control, mothering, depressed, depressed, shut down, sick, um, sick, uh, shut down sexually, um, unboundaried, right? Oh, yeah. Is this kind of what this I mean, is what we think for, of? To, to be sure, and 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 the worst part about that is is I remember when I would toss those accusations at Ashlyn, it was always when I was in a place of shame, and and therefore my energy was like. I, I high on like a, an energy scale of shame. It was always highly intensified, and always in that state when I would when I would lob those those accusations. I think you're making a good point, Kobe. Of and and we we really need to do a full episode on gaslighting. But labels are a great way to gaslight, and that's what you're talking about. Is is if you can just kind of get her to buy into this label of herself, it becomes she's, she's the crazy, out of control, you know, controlling. Then it's her issue and not mine. It's her issue. And I you, thought I was crazy for so long. Yep. Because he told me I was crazy. Totally. <laughs> yep. I did. I yep. Did. And then you then you take that on and Oh, absolutely. I and, was crazy. And you you actually start becoming that label that you thought of. Yep. And the worst yeah. part about that is is then that that what you just described really was like the dance that we did. Mm-hmm. It was like we were just like lockstep in this dance round and round and we couldn't get out of it. Yeah. And that was and and man, you're the addict. Magic. Thing. You're the betrayed. You're the sick one. You need to change. You need to stop acting that way. Yep. You, right. you, you're making you. it up. <laughs> right. This isn't real. It's just your imagination. You're blowing out of proportion. Like all of those things. And the al- alternative to that is actually seeing each other. Like see the individual. Ashlyn, I, I mentioned this earlier, but you brought up having compassion for him and his struggles with his addiction. Um, that's not labeling labeling Kobe as an addict. Like that's all he is. You're seeing Kobe as Kobe, and you're seeing his struggles as his struggles. Um, if you empathize and connect to Ashlyn's pain, and you hold that space for her, um, you're actually seeing Ashlyn, and you're understanding why why she's responding the way she's responding on an individual level, and and that's where all of a sudden you're not gaslighting and blaming each other. You're actually supporting each other because you're seeing each other. You're connecting to that person, not labeling them, right? Totally. Those are, in, in our experience, I think, um, in, in truth, in regular therapy that we went to, mm-hmm. we never got to that point where I could see you without that label. And I'm probably pretty certain that you couldn't see me without that label either because no. I know that when I, we were in therapy... Well, we didn't even know there were these labels to that say. We were, that we were really right. acting in. Because I was pl- I was playing the part to be sure, but in in therapy, if you think about this, back when we went, I was always just super defensive. I was always really really angry, really angry, and really resentful in therapy, and because I was just in that role. So how how could you? I don't know. How could you think otherwise? But it was um, it was really toxic for us. But once we got into specialized therapy, and we just kind of faced the facts of where we were, and we had help. Then that that was I think when we really first started to see who the other person was. Yeah. Well, part of that education in the first part of recovery, what for me is how I separated the addiction from Kobe. Right. If I hadn't had that education in the beginning, I I think it would have been hard for I, me. I think it's I think you make a good point, and 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 it that it is helpful. Some it's helpful to say, well, like these are the addict behaviors, yeah. and you know, but it can it can get overboard. Where, where you, you lose sight of actually seeing him, right? Mm-hmm. And then you just see the addiction. 
Um, but I do think it's helpful. Like it, this is what addiction is, and this is what I can expect to see, and things like that. So it's interesting. Yeah. I had a um, when I first started doing this uh, uh, forever ago. Um, the old man. I didn't. Yeah, no. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I, I, I really didn't sucked. Know what this at train this. was going to yeah. do for you. And uh, this this therapist who wasn't the greatest, but she she referred a guy to me and she she sat me down and she said look this guy is such an addict he is such an addict he's horrible um he and basically just said how terrible this awful man is because he's such an addict and so he i didn't really know what i was doing i was learning how to be a therapist he came in and i worked with him for about a year and um from the get-go i could tell he was he was one of the best men that i that i've ever met um, he was he was so kind. He was so just such a good, humble person, and it, it, and it, it kind of it rocked my world a little bit. Of, of this therapist who's training me labels him as as this monster, and then my experience of him was so different than that. Um, and, and it made me realize that it is dangerous to to automatically assume and label somebody because then you're going to miss seeing them for who they really are. Oh man, yeah. So. I, I I just want to empathize with the guys who are dealing with addiction, who are listening, because I know that there were moments when I really connected to who I was, and that oftentimes was at church. There were in, in tender like family um, experiences, and and it would it would be um, it would be equally hopeful and painful. Because I would remember who I was, but also remember what I've done. And that was really vexing. Like, those are moments where, again, I had a lot of hope, but I also had equal amounts of, of, of angst. And um, I just want you to know, those of you who are listening, that it is possible for the behavior to change. And it's possible for your thought processes to change. And it takes help and it takes focus. And it takes consistent effort, not lots, but consistent effort every day. And it's possible. And um, I don't know, Ashlyn, what would you say to the betrayed who are dealing with all this? To think that the, that are just being accused of being crazy. Well, that's, I would say, super normal. I don't know. It was in our case um, to feel that way and to be told that those things. Um, just educate. I think education and getting support and the proper help for me is what helped me to disassociate and say no this is I have trauma I have all this life experience that yeah there, it makes sense why these things I act maybe the way I am or have these walls mm-hmm. um, but I'm working on them we're still working on some of those walls both of us right it, and it's really fascinating as a, as a third party therapist that you know I'm in the middle of a relationship all, all the time and um, the the guy comes in and and he's struggling and and I can see his struggle I can see his his pain the, the empathy that you're talking about um, and then she comes in and I can see her struggle and her pain and they come in together and they they hate each other they've labeled each other they're angry at each other because that pain that both of them are having individually um, has destroyed the relationship. But to me, I, I see 
goodness on both sides, yeah. right? I bet that's hard. Yeah. But but the, the point I'm trying to make by saying this is when we jump to the conclusion that the other person is is actually hurtful, harmful, evil, terrible, then we're kind of missing it. Because my experience is, and there are some people out there like that, but very few. Most people are doing the best they can with what they know how. And they might be sucking it up. They might not know how to be very healthy, but they're doing the best they possibly can. And, um, and they have some work to go, right? And if you can view your spouse that way, no matter how much they've hurt you and harmed you, it doesn't mean to, to get all codependent and not have any boundaries with them, but it means that you can see their struggle and hold their pain instead of label them and just, just be a victim of them. So Honestly, I have a friend who, um, they're in a similar situation as us, and she will talk about her husband and the good that he is. He's such a good father. He's a really good provider. He's a really good husband. And it's these things, the addiction behaviors that really, that's where they struggle. Right. But I love that she can see the good in him. Right. Separate that out. And yeah. And she's, that still. and she's telling people like that she trusts, of course, not just everyone, but she's not just saying, listen to how crappy my husband is. Right, right, right. But she's also not just smiling in denial. Saying, no. Everything's fine. She's saying, this is hard. Yeah. And I see... I see all of him. Yeah. I don't just see this big label of how horrible he is. So. You know, I heard a quote once um, and uh, by a, a religious leader who said, "We people marry potential, they don't marry perfection. And, um, and, I, and I think that that is a super important consideration in this conversation and for those who struggle with addiction and for those who struggle with being betrayed because you got married for a specific reason and it was because of what you saw, the potential that you saw in your partner. Right. And, and I think that's an important um, place to revisit because in as much as that potential might not be realized right now, or even if that potential that you, that you saw is buried behind, you know, underneath a bunch of really destructive behavior and there's been enormous wounds that have been caused because of it. You can still go back and revisit that place and say, okay, that's who you really are. All this but behavior has really Kobe, been horrible. Kobe, I mean, this, this is who you this really is are. This is interesting you're bringing this up because this is the nature of betrayal trauma is you marry for that potential mm-hmm. and and you're excited, you're moving forward, you're getting to know each other. Then all of a sudden that potential turns into pain. Mm-hmm. That that um, you think that, that you're getting into something that's creating safety and love and happiness in your life. Mm-hmm. And it creates, um, it, it becomes a liability to that rather than an asset. And so what you're saying is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. And, and recovery for a couple is, is understanding, look, we got to get back to that place where we see each other through the eyes of potential. We see each other through the eyes of mm-hmm. healing and hope and safety as opposed to I only see you as, as something that's going to harm me and cause me pain, Right. And so, wow, yeah, it's a good point, Kobe. Wow, so that's hard. What do you think, Ash? <laughs> don't ask me. It's great. You guys don't need me. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. I, I think that's. I mean, did you ever think that? Like, what the heck did I do? Why did I marry? Yeah, Kobe? I think it, a lot of expectation. You know, 
we both came into a marriage with expectations that were very different and we didn't even share what they were anyway. So part of it's that. You know, I joke with my wife, Jenny, like, I, when I married you, I, I did, didn't even know you at all. And I <laughs> That's didn't. so it's true. I didn't know her at all. And I lucked out because she's amazing. <laughs> but I just got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> well, you stood up at the right time in the right place with the right lucky socks. I guess so. Right? And, and hit the jackpot. Oh, so. man. Well, look at the – and I guess that's what I would say is look at the person, remember the potential, and remember that the behavior is what you don't want. And it's kind of like with our kids too. Like in our house, there's always this like standing funny rule that really goes sideways quickly when sugars drop. <laughs> it's like, it's like Ellie, pretty sure you need to eat now because all this, all this is just like craziness, right? It's right. like if you ate, you would feel better. And so I don't, I don't look at Ellie as, as this tyrant when it's like six o'clock and she hasn't eaten dinner yet. Right. I look at her as like you're a seven year old who eats food, who needs food desperately. And, and once, once you have that food, you're going to feel better. Right. And although that um, seven-year-old doesn't cause me the pain that, that I caused Ashlyn, the principle still remains the same. Right. Yeah. It's behavior. It's not the person. Right. right. Go fight win. I don't know. <laughs> yep. Drop the labels. All right, you guys. Um, share this podcast if you found it helpful. And... Anything else, guys? Yeah, leave a review. Hop on to this, and you can leave it anonymously. But uh, the reviews always help us to make sure that um, people find people find us. People, I'm, and just want to say, those of you who are listening who are new this week, thank you for joining us. I don't know how you found us. Probably search for us, but leave a review and check out know. our Facebook page, yeah. our our website, Betrayed Addicted Expert. There's no, all the labels for you, right? <laughs> but there's a good information. On oh, there's those. a ton of content. Are, yeah, doing great. All kinds of stuff there. Glad you guys are here.